Hello, howdy, hi, yes, all the greetings to you here on a Monday night uh, on the Wolverine.com YouTube channel, uh, chatting all things Michigan Wolverines, football, basketball, you name it. Uh, I'm Anthony Broom here with Clayton Safey, as we are every Monday night. Uh, Chris Ballas is not with us. He is uh, off doing some holiday gallivanting with his family, So, uh, which you should do this time of year. I know the two of us will be doing that as well later on this week before. I won't be gallivanting, by the way, just for the record. What's that? I won't be gallivanting, just for the record. Well, you you put miles on that car of yours, though. I, I can true. tell. I can tell you're in a, a satellite office of the Wolverine as opposed to your regular HQ. So that is true. Um, but yeah, uh, welcome back to another Monday night episode. Uh, a lot to kind of, I don't know, a lot going on, but also things kind of quiet in terms of. Uh, you know, there's a next week is game week already, which is kind of crazy to think about, but. The transfer portal has been on fire. Michigan's been hitting at a clip that I don't think that uh, – I don't know if you polled either of us. We thought they might hit at – I mean, we, we figured they'd be a little more active in backfilling roster needs, but they've, they've landed five guys so far that, you know, again, at worst are really quality, quality depth additions, but at best are, are starting caliber players. Just over the weekend, uh, there was – Miles Hinton uh, from Stanford. He had Josiah Stewart, the edge from uh, Coastal Carolina. And then Michigan dips back in for a guy from Stanford in uh, center, uh, Drake Nugent. So those are three guys in just the last couple days. Last week, I think it was maybe Wednesday, Ernest Hausman, uh, linebacker from Nebraska, hopped in. And obviously, uh, Darius Henderson, who we've talked about on here a couple of weeks ago. So we'll just start with transfer portal tonight. And again, if you guys have questions, we will take them. Throughout the show, uh, the queue is wide open. Use that donate feature to get yourself to the front of the line. I don't know. Have I even said this yet? Anthony Broom, Clayton Safey here, just for audio purposes. Someone stumbling upon us for the first time might not know who we are or whatever. But uh, that is who we are here with you every Monday night at 6. Uh, we will be doing the same next week uh, coming off the holiday as well. So, all right, let's 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 just get right into questions here. Uh, I want to take this one because we were talking about it before the show um, from Maze Craze. It says, please tell me Jair Hill is trolling us. How do we have all these crystal balls? I don't know what that is. I've seen a lot of on three predictions uh, and we don't even make it to the top five. Yeah, guys, uh, we don't have any intel on what's going on with that. That's probably more of an EJ question. I mean, there's some speculation that he may be trolling a bit and that Michigan will be the surprise hat that comes out from under the table on Wednesday on this early signing period. But uh, listen, man, I mean, just to go back to, I I've seen a lot of wild stuff, uh, you know, even back when I recovered recruiting and then, you know, running the old site. And even since I've hopped on here, like I've seen guys pull puppies out of their sweaters to announce their commitment. I've seen guys tease an announcement, get everyone riled up and then say their dad was, starring in a in a play on Easter Sunday. I've seen that before. Listen, I mean, until announcements take place, not to bemoan the recruit, I, I will never bemoan the recruiting industry and the work that our guys put in, but until 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 a kid is signed somewhere, I I just I I just follow the experts on that, like EJ, like Zach, and those types of things. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, and all the experts were saying before today that Michigan was the favorite. Illinois kind of that, um, you know, second competitor there that, that they've kind of been neck and neck throughout the whole way. Give Illinois credit. And then here we go with the top five that is Florida, Illinois, 
Purdue, Kentucky, and Missouri. And I was looking at his profile earlier, and he hasn't even visited Missouri uh, unless that is, you know, just not reported on his profile. But very weird. Some people were saying, is it a mistake? But look at that graphic. I mean, it's him in a Missouri jersey and, and helmet. So, like, I don't think it's a mistake. And he tweeted it and Instagrammed it. And, uh, you know, so that's out there. So probably trolling is what uh, a lot of people seem to think. And uh, beyond that, we will have to find out on Wednesday or between now and then to uh, and just go to the Wolverine.com, get the latest from our recruiting experts, as Anthony mentioned, because they're going to be all over this stuff. There's moving parts around the clock heading into signing day every single year. And it looks like this year will be no exception. Yeah. Even in a year where the crew, the recruiting is quote unquote um, on the down, you know, on the downside a bit uh, again uh, on three's recruiting prediction machine has Michigan 95.6% likely to land Jair Hill. Of course, he's the number 112 player nationally, a four-star recruit. So certainly in a class that doesn't have, no, no disrespect, a lot of bona fide stars in there. This would be a guy who kind of slot in and be someone who might be a foundational piece moving forward. So we'll see what happens with all that. I mean, I, um, how do I put this delicately? Um, I am glad that we have specialized guys on our staff that are able to be experts in reporting on the ever changing minds of 16, 17, and 18 year olds. So uh, I guess we'll just kind of leave it at that. Uh, this next one from Matt Alderton, who says, any news on Blake Corum coming back or going to the NFL? Yeah, we don't have anything else to really share on that. I mean, I, I think it's it's well plowed ground at this point that I don't think we're not we're, pro- we're not going to see him the rest of the way. I mean, not completely ruling out a national title game appearance, but I just wouldn't think that we're going to get any kind of clarity. I, I don't think anything he would possibly announce would be something that happens before Michigan's season is over. Uh, he's just not the type of guy to take away from the attention to the team. He's never been that guy. So uh, I, I I mean, what's been reported is that, yeah, I mean, there, there's a chance he could come back. I still think it's probably 50, 50, but Clayton, I don't know if you have a strong opinion on that. Just nothing really new over the, since last we spoke. Yeah, well, he did talk to the Detroit news over the weekend and said that uh, he is going to make a decision sooner rather than later. I don't know if he would release that. I, I tend to agree with you there that he will probably wait till Michigan season's over. No reason not to, you know, the, not many guys you see it around the country. Max Duggan actually for TCU announced he'll be going to the NFL after this season, of course, playing in the college football playoff against Michigan. But yeah, you're not seeing that a ton. Even the guys like CJ Stroud, you know, they haven't, made their decision. I get Blake Corum in is in a different spot because he's hurt and kind of away from the team right now. But uh, yeah, I think we continue to believe there's a chance he comes back. Our Chris Ballas has reported that if he does want to come back and it does sound like there's interest there uh, that, you know, there are people behind the scenes making sure he'd be taken care of with NIL. Uh, But at the same time, just me personally, my opinion is, is that I think his college career is probably over. It's just kind of the way things go with with running backs. I mean, he was having an outstanding season before the injury, really one that he was proving, you know, he could be an NFL back. And I was saying this, you know, watching the Lions game with some friends yesterday. I mean, I would take a Blake Corum type on the Lions if we could get him in the third or fourth round. Uh, and I'm sure there's many other fan bases in the NFL that feel the same way uh, having watched Blake Corum this year. So uh, I think that's – It's going to be a factor and, you know, he'll probably see where his stock is, how much he can participate in pre-draft workouts uh, as the rehab process goes on. And I think every day he's probably learning more and more about what his timeline is going to look like. But 
yeah, uh, it's going to be one of those that we'll have to uh, wait and see. Yeah. Again, it is a wait and see situation. And also, I know there's always this desire to hoard star players that could play in the NFL, bring them back to the roster like they're infinity stones. And the more, I mean, if you could do that, that's amazing. I mean, that that would be a huge development. But guys that come back when you're a, uh, let's, let's call a spade a spade, I think that Blake Corum is probably a pro-ready back right now. Um, and and the, the shelf life of running backs in that league is not very long, and he's already kind of coming off a knee injury. So unless Michigan uh, is able to maybe sweeten the pot and pay him more than maybe a mid-round draft selection would, I, I, I'm more side with you. So uh, let's go to a $5 super chat from Stan, who says, Jair Hill aside, cornerbacks and defensive backs are a need for this cycle. Any news on potential cornerbacks coming out of the portal? Yeah, Michigan's been on, in on a few of them. I think we would both expect them to bring probably at least one cornerback back. I, I don't think that Jamon Green, one of Jamon Green and DJ Turner seems like they'll leave for sure, and it's possible you lose both of them. So you're going to need someone that's able to slot in next to Will Johnson that's ready to play now. I think that's the thing when we go back and talk about these transfers that they brought in. The key is that they're not lotto tickets, right? These are guys that have already made plays at the college at the college level. And, and that is, I think, a good baseline to set when you have position battles to sort out. But we know they're in on uh, Fentrell Cypress, uh, who I believe it's between Michigan, Ohio State, USC. Someone can correct me on that. Um, Clayton can correct me on that. Uh, also, Tony Grimes, uh, formerly of North Carolina, another guy. Both those guys would be amazing, amazing additions for this team. But, yeah, I don't know if there's any – again, I, I think with those type of guys – I think there are things that's still a little bit in a holding pattern while guys go through these recruitments. Some of the more nationally ranked guys um, are kind of taking their time to revisit the process, but yeah. Do you, uh, do you have a, I mean, is there a Cypress or Grimes preference that you have? Is there someone else out there that Michigan maybe should get in on? Like I said, I think we both could probably agree time to bring it. It would behoove them to bring at least one in. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it'd be a, a nice win if one of those two came back, DJ Turner, Jamon Green. We'll see how that plays out. But I agree. I think corner is kind of that position that you come into the transfer portal cycle thinking probably land a guy there. And then they were pretty active reaching out to guys with those three names emerging. Former Virginia corner, uh, Fentrell Cypress, as you mentioned, along with former North Carolina corner, uh, Tony Grimes. And then also another former North Carolina cornerback, in Storm Duck, who has one of the best names out there in college football, who it looks like Michigan has shown interest in. I will say this, Cypress has all those types of suitors coming after him, and we've seen Michigan. I mean, they beat out uh, Ohio State and Iowa for uh, Ernest Hausman at the linebacker spot from Nebraska. So, you know, they can win some of these in the portal, but there's a lot of money being thrown around. So I'd be a little wary of those guys. And Tony Grimes, it looks like he's already taken two visits to Texas A&M. So to me, immediately, that's kind of a little bit of a turnoff. Uh, or not a turnoff, but uh, maybe a little discouraging in terms of Michigan's chances there. Uh, and he also tweeted something that he wants to make a decision pretty soon here. Our EJ Holland reported that uh, he's you know, pretty tight with Tony Grimes's camp from the original recruiting process. He reported the other day on our message board that uh, Grimes potentially wanted to visit Michigan in January and maybe will if he hasn't made a decision by then. But then his tweet comes out that he wants to decide sooner than that. And without seeing Michigan again, not sure that will happen. So I think we'll probably see things expand here. Uh, and remember, 
I think I just saw a tweet from uh, Tom Van Heron of ESPN.com. I think we're over 1,900 players who have entered the transfer portal now. That's going to continue to grow. And, like, think about this, too. There are a lot of kids that are entering right now that are going to go somewhere else starting in January. But there are also a lot of kids, too, that are either going to graduate in the spring from their schools and then enter the portal or go through spring ball and say, I don't really like where I'm at at the depth chart or I don't really like this coaching staff or this new staff or whatever, and then enter the portal then because it will be opening up after spring practices around the country too. So there's time, and I think we'll see the cornerback board expand. And also you have to keep in mind, what if they do get both those guys back, DJ Turner and Jamon Green? I wouldn't bet on it, but then I don't think you necessarily need somebody. So maybe those transfers are waiting and seeing and say saying, hey, what does the depth chart look like right now? And you may not have a firm answer. So, um, yeah, I think corner is is a need depending on what those guys do. But Will Johnson on one side, man, you got to feel pretty damn good about what they have there because he's been a stud really all season, but coming on in the last few weeks too, or last few games. And um, it, it's exciting to see, uh, you know, to think about, I guess, what the possibilities are with him there. I'm going to take this comment here from William William Flanagan, who says, Jim is playing it smart. I don't understand paying high school players millions of dollars when they haven't played a snap in college ball. Listen, and that's where I'm glad someone brought this up because, you know, I won't take that hard line of a stance against paying recruits. I think obviously in this new era that we're in, that certainly has to be part of the equation. But at the same time, I mean, Michigan has, has proven that Michigan is, to me, the message I get from seeing the additions that they've made through the transfer portal is that we, yeah, we'll pay players, but we're we're going to use, or we're going to earmark some of this money to pay players, or it's not Michigan paying the players, it would be the people behind the scenes writing the checks, but we're willing to earmark money to guys that we know can play football, not guys that, you know, are, um, you know, these, have these sort of, I won't say mega brands, but um, guys who are basically getting these multi-million dollar deals before they even play a down of football. I mean, I think we know at its core, uh, high school recruiting is still very much a crapshoot. The transfer portal is a crapshoot, but at least when you bring in guys like, um, you know, like the offensive linemen they've brought in that have starting experience, Ernest Hausman kind of has starting experience by necessity, uh, but is a guy who's speedy and athletic and, and has good tape out there. Uh, Josiah Stewart be making a jump from Sunbelt to Big Ten. But again, I, I the approach has been phenomenal in terms of being proactive, not just backfilling needs, but fortifying areas of your roster that don't just have needs for next year. But now you're looking at offensive line will be a strength of the team next year. Linebacker room, strength of the team next year. Um, oh, who else? It's the edge group, always a strength of the team. So Again, the approach balanced against you have to you're going to want to recruit better than, you know, in just inside the top 20 like they did, like they have this year. If you want to stay competitive at this level, because you don't want to become a, you don't want to become a school that rebuilds its roster through the portal every year. But if you're hitting it at this rate and you're using it as a supplementary tool, more power to you. Yeah, I think a couple things. One, they, they I think they realized that the 2023 class isn't exactly what they wanted it to be. And they're not never going to say that. And of course on signing day, Jim Harbaugh is going to rave about these guys. And rightfully so. I think he likes the guys that they're bringing in, but at the same time, we know who they offered. Uh, we know who they were going after and they didn't land a lot of those top targets 
early on in the process and it kind of, you know, snowballed a little bit and we're seeing a class, what is it 19th in the country right now? So I think they realized that, Hey, let's get some imports here. Uh, guys that do have college experience as William, our, our commenter there pointed out uh, and, and let's get them in here. And then another thing is this, like the transfer portal I know it's well-documented that there are so many more kids going in now. And I think NIL is playing a huge factor, but, and there are going to be kids and there are kids that go in the portal and say, all right, I'm going to try to get the biggest bag I can get. And then I'll go there, play some decent football, depending on where it is, you know, but, but money's going to be a big factor and that's fine, whatever. But I also think that there are going to be a decent amount of kids who, they've been in college football for a year or two. They've been in there for three or four years or in some cases they've gotten some money, you know, they know that the money's out there, but they also want to do two things. They want to win and they want to be developed at the highest level and talking to Ladarius Henderson, Michigan's newest offensive line commit or not newest, actually uh, third newest uh, out of Arizona state. You know, I asked him about that. I was like, how much is NIL a factor? You know, how much of a, you know, is, was NIL a factor for you? And he said, you know, it wasn't that big of a factor. You know, he wants to get developed. He wants to win. He wants to be part of a great culture, but he also understands what Michigan can do. He said a lot of guys are going to be taking bags from worse programs because those programs are a little more desperate. So I think there are guys out there that kind of fit the mold of what Michigan's looking like or looking for. They don't want to like jeopardize their culture by bringing some of these guys in. So, um, and I think they're kind of realizing that there are some guys that those those needs that, you know, hey, Michigan needs this guy or that position. This player wants to, you know, take a step up in competition, play for a winner. Uh, they can align on that. And I think the culture can stay intact. Uh, and you also, like you said, it's not a crapshoot with some of these guys. It's not a lottery ticket because we've seen what they can do. Even Ernest Houseman, who's Michigan's youngest transfer commit, has been pretty productive on the college level. He started seven games at Nebraska. He has 54 tackles, played well against Michigan with those 10 tackles in a, in a sack. So we kind of know what these guys are, you know, where they could fit in. And uh, you know, I think that's what makes it really good here. I don't think they want to do this necessarily every year, but man, you take a look and you definitely uh, allocate some resources into looking at guys in the portal, scouting them and things like that. And I know things will change, but Michigan right now with the number one transfer class in the country, according to on three, uh, so it's worked out pretty well so far. We'll see how it kind of plays out once these guys get on the field. But uh, I like what they're doing right now. And remember, Anthony, a week ago, we set the over-under on how many total guys Michigan gets. I think we said, did we settle on four and a half or was it five and a half? I think, I, I, think I moved you up to five and a half. But then we both took the under, I think, and said five, right? Maybe or well, maybe you... it's breaking. We were both very wrong. Exactly. But it's wrong. amazing how how quickly this moved. And I think Michigan found some guys that they that they uh, like out there, and they may get another in AJ Barner, the tight end from Indiana, who I think is one to watch. And and some of the fans that have been following it closely recently are pretty aware of. So uh, you see it there. Okay, they moved on to number two. I I said it. I'm glad I wrote that article earlier in the day because I knew it was going to change. Uh, they were number one as of about an hour ago. Well, and Arizona State moved up a spot because they added a huge piece to their offense in former Notre Dame starting quarterback, Drew Pine. So, Ooh. you know, you add Drew Pine and you just you shoot up the rankings. That's how it goes. So. Well, look at it there. I mean, so they're number one, but they have nine transfers in. And all nine of them are rated as three-star transfers. Michigan with five, two four-star transfers and three three-stars. So the numbers game helping out Arizona state a little bit there, it will change throughout the entire process. Really 
probably until we kick things off next September. But Michigan's off to a pretty good start. And I think, you know, you look at each guy individually, you kind of like how they could potentially fit. So uh, it's gone pretty well. Yeah. And the type of like the no offense to our our mothership site and no offense to transfer transfer rankings or any of that stuff in general. But the guys that Michigan are bringing in are to a T the things that they need. I mean, it, it goes it goes beyond rankings like they're, they're adding a lot of quality guys and. Again, I think the recipe of, you know, normally when you bring in a recruiting class, you have these, you know, a cluster of true freshmen that are ready to go right away, right? I mean, even this year, they're what, two or three freshmen All-Americans and a couple more guys that have gotten a decent amount of run. 11 guys burned their red shirts. Incredible. Yeah. Six last year. So, yeah. I don't want to rattle any cages, but I don't know if they have 11 guys in this class right now that are going to be even impact players at Michigan. Again, I'm not, it's no disrespect. It's just, um, it's not quite to the quality that it's been. So you're able to augment that by bringing in guys next year who are going to play for you. And that's, um, that's critical for them. So I'm going to take this one from Juan, and then we'll talk about our friends over at the rogue shop. Uh, I think he had a bit of a, of a voice to text thing going on here. I'm not sure. It says Michigan getting all these offensive alignment from the portal. I'm curious how many guys are going to leave from the offensive line. Yeah, well, let's go through the chart here now. Uh, Ryan Hayes, fifth-year guy. He's he's probably gone. Uh, Trevor Keegan, 50-50. Olu will wind up being gone. Zach Sinter, probably a little closer to like 40-60 that he that, you know he's he comes back versus he leaves. I think he's might be their best pro prospect on the offensive line. And then you have guys like uh, Trent A. Jones and Carson Barnhart who could. Uh, opt in for a fifth year or what, you know, someone could go to the NFL, whatever it is. So, you know, regardless, I, I don't know that it's that hot of a take. I don't think they'll lose all five starting offensive linemen from this team, but they could, and they certainly could lose three of them. They could lose four of them. So, you know, when I look at the guys that they're bringing in through the transfer portal, all of them have starting experience. All of them have played fairly well. Uh, Drake Nugent, I think was, one of the top two or three graded centers in the country uh, either this year or last year, if I, the numbers I saw were correct. So again, this is, um, you can never have enough depth. And and I, there was another question asking about what does it say about the confidence in the guys that they're developing? I mean, we know that Jeff Percy is there waiting in the wings at tackle and Giovanni El Hadi has been someone that has, has been, uh, you know, thrown into action and performed very well. Raheem Anderson's a guy that we're high on. Um, Andrew Gentry uh, is another guy who I think a couple years down the road could be someone, but you know, you don't want to, the guys they've brought in have given Michigan the luxury of not having to necessarily accelerate the development of someone who's maybe not quite ready yet. In the case of, I don't know, maybe a Raheem Anderson or a Jeff or a uh, Andrew Gentry, just throwing names out there. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I mean, Hayes has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl. Olu's out of eligibility, so you're at least going to be down two. Now, I think, you know, you're in a pretty good spot if you plug in Ladarius Henderson at left tackle. Then you're kind of waiting on your guards. What what are those two going to do, Keegan and Zinter? Um, Carson Barnhart is a piece that you could put on the interior at guard or continue to play at tackle. Um, so depending on what one of those guys does, you know, I think Carson Barnhart is an easy replacement inside. If he needs to be Trent Jones is an easy replacement at right tackle. 
if he needs to step in there. He's he started the year as Michigan starter at that spot this season. So I think yeah, they're adding depth. They're adding competition. Um, they have some capable guys there. But, man, I mean, they saw what Olu was able to do this year and you know, coming in as a one-year transfer. And I think other, I think the, the guys that are coming in saw that too. Um, and they realized that they can, they can have that sort of fit. Um, but no, I mean, I don't think it's any sort of concern with, uh, the way Michigan's developing those guys, uh, or, or how those guys are developing. Uh, I think they just trying to cover all their bases there, depending on what some of these NFL draft decisions are. And I think they're going to be pre- uh, set up pretty nicely, regardless of what happens. You really want at least one of those guards back in Keegan and Zinter, because, those guys will be your leaders next year. Those guys are nasty. They're, they're going to set the tone for this offensive line. They're exactly what Sharon Moore is looking for. So, you know, they hopefully get one of those at least uh, guys back. Um, but either way, I, I like how it's kind of shaping up. And even some of the young guys, you mentioned Raheem Anderson, a guy who was really impressive when he made the trip out for that Rutgers game and came in during garbage time. He was moving people. And I've seen his body transform a lot since when I went and watched him at Cast Tech. So I'm excited about some of the young guys like him and G.O.L. Hottie and everything there. You have some pretty good options. And someone asked today on our message board, like, you know, all right, let's project the offensive line for next season. And is this the most unpredictable we've ever had? And I was like, yeah, it probably is. But also, like, this season hasn't even ended yet. And we're looking at guys that have decisions to make. So I'm going to let it play out a little bit more before I start projecting. But any way you go, any kind of path you take when you start to project what the starting five is going to be up front, uh, you kind of like what it looks like, especially if you do get, you know, maybe a surprise and get a guy back or something. Yes, sir. I feel like the the starting projection I did, what was it, maybe a week or so ago, maybe two weeks ago now, may as well just throw it in the paper shredder at this point because, I mean. The a lot name, of moving parts. A lot of moving parts. Uh, it's almost like, was it uh, – Really, it's kind of in the last two off seasons with basketball where we're like, and we have a basketball question. We'll get to them in a second um, where you go. It's ho- it's tough to even comment on what this might look like because they literally there are so many spots up in the air through the transfer portal. And, you know, we don't know guys transferring in, transferring out, all those types of things. So we'll see what happens uh, again. They're preparing to play a football game on the 31st as of now. Uh, one of the three football games that actually matter over the next couple of weeks, which is still crazy to say. Um, David Wright asked, any news on how practice for TCU is going? Uh, seemingly well. Uh, everyone is fairly healthy, getting healthier. We will talk to players tomorrow and Thursday, I think was the schedule that was sent out. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll get some more intel from those guys. But uh, I think the vibe has been, I think, a lot more businesslike than last year. I think... Um, you know, not not bemoaning what became of the 2021 Wolverines, but, you know, it felt like it was a group that was coasting off of Big Ten title and award season and just ready to get down to Miami, get to the beach and soak in the week. And then, oh, yeah, maybe play a football game. Whereas I think this team is foaming at the mouth for a shot to win a playoff game and get a rematch against either Georgia or Ohio State. So uh, by from all accounts, I, I think that prep has been going Pretty well. And obviously shout out to the coaches too. I mean, prepping for signing day this week, still putting in a full work of uh, Blake's work of game prep. And I don't, uh, you know, everyone has families. you got to sort out the Christmas logistics. And then I believe it's next a week from tonight, they'll be flying out to Arizona. So 
a lot going on. So shout out to all of those guys. But as another shout out, I would be remiss if I did not speak about our friends over at the Rogue Shop this evening. Richard and Charmaine, you know them well by now. A pair of craft cannabis farmers specializing in small batch sustainable plant medicine. Richard, of course, is a disabled combat veteran and his wife, Charmaine, is a certified CBD consultant and life coach. Our friends at the Rogue Shop operate out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, right in the heart of Big Ten country up there. Uh, they work not only grow and manufacture, but also educate the population about THC-based medicines. So if you're looking for products that can help you diffuse stress and anxiety, a lot of that during the holidays, I know that. Um, soothe chronic pain, insomnia, whatever it is, Rogue Shop's menu is perfect for you. They're going to hop on a live chat, answer your questions. They'll send you the, 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 send you the personal handwritten letter. Uh, when you order from them, and you can order from them uh, using promo code the Wolverine at rogueshop.com for 10% off. Rogue Shop sells Delta 8, Delta 9, CBD, THC products. They're all lab direct. There's no middlemen. Uh, make it with their own two hands. Um, unlike competitors who are using the machines and uh, you know, big bad machines are taking over and, and all those types of things. So uh, shout out to them. Clayton, I know... Uh, it's been a while since uh, I, again, my supply could probably use a refresh over here, but um, pain cream for me is, is a must. I'm finding gray hairs everywhere in this beard of mine, which means stuff is just going to start hurting on me for no reason. So it's nice to have that pain cream. Uh, I know you've dipped into that a little bit as well yourself. Yeah. And the CBD gummies. Here's the thing I like about these guys. It's like a, like you feel like you're getting the best, but it's also a mom and pop type of shop. So they handcraft all of their topicals, soaps, candles, bath salts, massage oils, and tinctures. They grow their own cannabis in their own manufacturing facility. All their products are made with their own cannabis. And as I keep saying, the best part is like, if you're new to this, like a lot of us were, you know, recently in our, uh, the 24 seven chat function on their website is fantastic. You can talk with them. Uh, it's actually the owners of the of the company, Richard and Charmaine, that are chatting with you, telling you, giving you recommendations on, on what to do. Uh, all their edibles are custom formulated with cannabis, vitamins, plant materials. They're America's number one online dispensary, health and wellness shop. shop. Uh, so visit rogueshop.com, R-O-G-U-E, shop.com for the best when it comes to uh, all the all the goodies. All right, again, thank you guys uh, at the Rogue Shop so much. Use promo code the Wolverine at rogueshop.com, 10% off. Might be a little, can't speak for them shipping-wise, might be a little bit late to get stuff in uh, for Christmas now, but certainly enough time to get something before the Fiesta Bowl. So a uh, shout-out to our friends over there. Uh, let's go to, I forgot to refresh my queue over here. This one's for you, Clayton, uh, from Michael Barnett. It says, Go Hope. Shout out to Hope College. That's my guy uh, right there. Yeah. Go Hope. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're enjoying the uh, this great Michigan run we're on here. So These are the good times. Uh, he has a question, though, so I'll just defer to you on it since that's that's your guy. Uh, is the offensive line transfer recruiting a sign the young de- offensive line isn't developing? That's the one I forgot about earlier. So uh, do you want to expound on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, we well, we just kind of talked about it, too, maybe after he put that in, but uh, I don't think so. Um, I like how Michigan's developing some of these guys. I think we could see 
like my thought too is you have to guard against this as well. Like one Michigan season is still really important right now. Whereas a lot of teams around the country, it, it's not so much. So I think we could see a surprise or two from maybe a young offensive lineman leaving the the program in the transfer portal. Like we saw with George Rooks on the defensive side, where it was like, I kind of like this guy, I like his potential, but he's probably looking at it like, well, you know, Chris Jenkins is going to be here another year. Like maybe I'll go somewhere else so I can impact as a junior as opposed to wait till my senior year. So I think we could see something like that happen on the offensive line too. So I think they're kind of covering their bases numbers wise, making sure that they're going to be good, even if they do have a couple unexpected departures. Um, but no, I, I think we've seen enough from certainly Giovanni, Giovanni El Hadi to know that he's going to be a good one. And Ernie is kind of a, a good one. Jeff Percy, I thought he did well in his first start, still has some ways to go. He's a junior already. Um, and you look at Raheem Anderson, who we talked about as well. I thought I was, I was impressed with him. Um, and there are other guys, too, that I think Michigan feels pretty good about. So I wouldn't be concerned about that. I think they just want to add some more competition to the room, add some more depth. And uh, again, they saw what worked, you know, how it worked out with Olu. So why not kind of take your shot on some of these guys that, especially the two Stanford guys, it's like new coach, you know, they have not won in a while. I think what a few losing seasons in a row. Uh, so those guys are kind of looking for what Michigan offers. And, uh, you know, Michigan says, why not? Let's take them. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of funny and it's, it's not, has nothing to do with Michael's question, but the people who would say, Oh, you know, I'm worried about the culture. All these, uh, all these transfers they're bringing. They're bringing guys from from Stanford. Like, is that not the most like? Um, I mean, outside of Northwestern, is there like a nerdier Power Five school that could you could come from? No, in my like, think of Miles Hinton. His brother played here for three years. His dad was in the NFL. Like, he's not a risk in terms of culture. His brother was just here a year ago. Um, and the other guys and Ladarius Henderson from talking to him, he's going to be a perfect fit. Uh, he is going to be a perfect fit here. Um, and potentially you're starting left tackle next season. So uh, yeah, I totally agree. I'm not worried about that. And I think Michigan's culture is strong enough too. We're like, yeah, you've seen cultures around the country kind of crumble a little bit with some of these transfer portal additions and NILs, this and promises all, all over the place, but Michigan's got it going right now in terms of their culture. Guys have been talking about that. Uh, when we've got to talk to him during bowl practices too. And it's just amazing. Everything, every little, you know, nugget you get from these guys about it. Um, it's a brotherhood. They say, you know, things like that. I mean, you, you don't get that everywhere right now in college football. So what Michigan has is special and with the guys are bringing in, I'm not worried about them jeopardizing that for, you know, a couple of these additions. Yeah. For the record, me calling Stanford and Northwestern nerdy is it's I'm saying it's a match with Michigan because yeah. Uh, let's, let's be honest. We're all nerds here too. So uh, let's go to, oh, we have a super chat here from Ben at Zione for $10. Shout out, Ben. Uh, how much of the passing game's earlier struggles, in air quotes, do you think stemmed from JJ not being able to throw during spring ball and the summer and then splitting reps with Cade during the fall? I think it probably has very little to do with the lack of, of throwing in the spring and summer. I mean, I guess my, that's maybe part of it, but I think a lot of it has to do with you. I think they've done a really good job with JJ of kind of walking this tightrope of not allowing him to not putting too much on his plate while also kind of giving him the license to make plays based on what he sees. Now, earlier on in the year, we saw a little, you know, a little more risks taken with the ball. Um, 
they were able to rein that back. Some of it by play calling, some of it by the fact that you're just steamrolling teams through the run game. But uh, I think a lot of it has to do with just growing up as a quarterback. This isn't, you know, it's not backyard football where you hike it and and you look around a couple times, see you guy the guy that's open, and he's just running a nine route down the field, and you just have to mm-hmm. chuck the ball down to him. Um, there are things you have to learn about with putting enough arc on the football, with taking speeds off the football, with firing a ball into a spot that where no one else can get to it. So I think a lot of that, and that's the stuff to me that was affected by him not having that time in the spring is that, you know, some of the mechanical stuff he had to learn on the job uh, and still could use some work in terms of footwork and, and accuracy and ball placement. I think a lot of the things that we've seen with him in terms of his development this year are things that you only learn by playing more football. What does Jim Harbaugh say all the time? The only way to get better at football is to play football. And I think as he's played more football, he's he's taken a step forward, maybe not in a box score area every week, but the guy who went out and, and kind of beat Ohio State on his own is not the same guy who started the, I don't know, the Maryland game, so to speak. The Maryland game was one of those games where there were some mistakes, there were some missed deep balls, there were some certainly some bad decisions. Um, then the next game, I think you saw some growth. And then the next game, you saw some growth. And I know there was a little bit of a lull there in terms of the past game, kind of midseason and really into that Illinois game, although they did pick up a couple of huge fourth downs, did enough to lead those field goal drives at the end. So I, I do think we've seen continual progress from J.J. throughout the season. And then you look at the last two games. The two most important games of the season, he's combined for seven touchdowns, six passing, one rushing, and he's just been phenomenal at times during those games. Still don't like the decision against Purdue, but he's putting things on film. He's getting that experience. He's talked about it too, like even the feel in the pocket and knowing when to run as opposed to sit back there and kind of, you know, bide his time. Like every single rep, uh, he, you know, really helps him feel that out. I do think that he would be a little ahead, and I think he's finally caught up now, but he maybe he would have been ahead of where he was midseason had he had a full, healthy offseason and had he had the the starting quarterback job during fall camp. But there's a trade-off there. I think the competition was probably good for him too um, in learning from Cade McNamara as well. He's talked about that, how valuable that experience was. So there's a trade-off there. But J.J. is – Jim Harbaugh said it coming out of fall camp. He said – that at the end, that last week, J.J. was on fire. And then we saw that in the non-conference. He wins the job, and it's been growth all the way through. And I think we're seeing a little more of an inflection point again here late in the season. And he's kind of become the leader of this offense as well, where it doesn't feel like a, a typical sophomore anymore or 19-year-old kid. He's about to turn – I think he's going to turn 20 here uh, just after the the national title game or after the season would end. So he's still young, and I think we're starting to see that that growth, uh, you know, tip upwards a little bit more. And that's why I'm excited for his season next year. That's why I'm excited for the game next week. I believe I can say that. Yeah. It's next Saturday night already. So um, I I think, yeah, I I think he would have benefited from that, but I think we're still seeing him grow through it. And, uh, and he's going to be just where he needs to be. I think in in due time here. Something you said stuck with me in that uh, I'm just, very surprised that if you're behind someone on the depth chart, you can actually like learn from them still and, and be a good teammate and not take weird shots. So just that stuck with me for some reason. There's 1900 kids in the portal. Not all of them. 
that that disagree with you there but uh, i'm just well, kidding you know, I, i'm just joking but no i agree i agree i mean jj has had the perfect mentality about the whole thing all the way through he's been respectful talking about Cade and what he's learned from him and everything and uh class dude and a really good quarterback that uh is, is really fun to watch and i'm sure for michigan fans is really fun to root for and definitely is not a game manager either. So uh, Larry Branch wants to know who is JJ's backup next week and not in tw- and, and in 2023. I think it'll continue to be Davis Warren as it has been. I think this is also in reference to Alan Bowman announcing he's transferring, but he also did announce over the weekend that he's going to stick with this team through the national title game. So those will be the two guys. Um, Davis Warren is someone that I think Michigan – is he, did we ever, have we ever confirmed if he's on scholarship or, or what his deal is, but I don't think he is. So but. I would have to think that step one, that probably changes um, this off season. I think he probably does go into the year as your number two. I think we probably see them dip in. I would think to get an Alan, Alan Bowman type out of the portal. Again, uh, a guy that I was told to keep an eye on. And I think was maybe that was it Jack Tuttle out of Indiana um, has, has somewhat been a name that I had heard from somewhere, but it would be that a is Alan Bowman that. type. That is absolutely an Alan Bowman type. I'm I laughing mean, at the term be... Alan Bowman type, but uh, that's what was cracking me up there. But no, Jack Tuttle is, I, I, I was thinking like, who isn't, what's an Alan Bowman type. And then you said Jack Tuttle. It's like, yeah, throughout his career. He's also started at points in his career due to other guys being hurt. Michael Pax. Um, would be solid. Yeah. Like a guy that could come into a game and not be the reason why you lost necessarily um, yeah, or know, could win you the game, but you need a guy who's going to come in the game and not like pee down his leg, like Russell Bellamy, which was not his fault by the way. But um, yeah, that's, I mean, depth at that position is, is so critical. So great pull um, there. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm no still frustrated that. about that, by the way, get Devin Gardner ready to play quarterback. My God. Well, that regime is no longer around for a reason. And that's likely among the reasons why uh, actually several other reasons why, but uh, I'm going to go to a couple here from Mike, Mike G who addressed, I believe it's me personally says, calls me broomer twice, but he says no Braylon Allen, but will Michigan go after another running back transfer? That's a posi- another position where I would think that again, I don't know that you're going to go and in, go into the portal and add, someone to the level of a Blake Corum or a Braylon Allen uh, type, if we're going back, you know, referencing the, the Allen Bowman type. But I think that if, if Corum does leave, that becomes a possibility. I think that something that's become apparent in their approach to the portal here is that they are going to turn over every stone. If they think they, I won't say can add an upgrade somewhere, but increase the competition or increase the floor of a certain position group. So I think they will again. And something we need to remember, everyone's kind of going on the big shopping spree right now. Uh, It's, it's similar to, I mean, it is free agencies here in college sports basically, but you know, it's similar to NFL free agency, uh, NBA free agency, MLB free agency. And that you have this initial wave of guys that kind of play musical chairs to get to where they want to be. And then there are, you know, subsequent waves. Maybe we see someone come in before spring football. You know, Michigan had a guy in Iabioki that came in 13 days before the season started. So this, I wouldn't, I would not completely close the door on any position being addressed before, you know, they play their first game next year. So I, w- I would think that 
at any at any spot, anything is on the table. I would say this too. I think they probably are waiting for Blake Corum in terms of a decision here as well. If they're going after running backs in the portal, and I'm sure they've made contact with plenty of guys that, you know, there hasn't been reports or anything out on them, but I think they're playing it pretty close to the vest. If so, you haven't seen any offers go out there. A lot of kids are tweeting out who's offering them. So I think that could be by design uh, and, or the fact that maybe they are just waiting to even go through that process with running backs for Blake Corum because I mean, let's be honest, you're talking to a running back and trying to convince them to come and you don't have a firm answer on if literally the best running back in the country, at least in my opinion, unanimous All-American there, uh, is going to be back like on your roster. Plus, you have Donovan Edwards. So it's kind of one of those things where, yeah, you may miss on a guy or two that's going to decide here early in the process, but it's really worth it because you're going to be waiting on Blake Corm to make a decision. Uh, real quick, as we... Um, I just thought of, as we were talking about an Alan Bowman type, uh, him and George Rooks are both still on the Michigan roster. I know you mentioned that Bowman announced he'll be playing in the college football playoff. George Rooks still on the roster. Louis Hansen, Cade McNamara, and Eric all are not, have not confirmed this, but I would think that would indicate that George Rooks is still going to be available and with the team through the college football playoff. That That's just me speculating based on what they've done there with, with uh, putting some clues together. Um, so just wanted to mention that, I guess, too, because uh, we're paid to look at stuff like that. And why not say it? So we got a super chat, too. We do have a super chat uh, from where is it? It's from Ben again. Ben. OK, there we go. There it is. Sorry. OK, Hutch, you can pull it up. That's my fault. It's all you. There, there it is. OK, I didn't touch anything that time. Uh, the audio, the audio only people have no idea what happened. Uh, check the video. Uh, ben asks again, Ben Anzione for $10. Thank you, Ben. Do you think all of these portal pickups are because they are available and willing to come or the necessities because of the weaker regular recruiting class? I think probably, probably a bit of column A, bit of column B there. I think that, uh, something that strikes me again about some of these portal pickups, like a, like a Drake Nugent or a, or a Miles Hinton or a Ladarius Henderson is that uh, even Josiah Stewart, these are all guys that are sort of seen as like fringe NFL prospects. And you come to a school like Michigan, it's again, I think still, I think you could still put them pound for pound with the SEC in terms of quality of, of teams and quality of talent in the conference in terms of guys you send to the pros and all that, you know, you're going to play in these, these big games on these big stages and play for a coaching staff that on both sides of the ball the last two years, and even really this kind of predates these last two years as well, they squeeze every single drop they can of pro potential out of these guys, even when they were you know, in the early stages of the hardball era where they weren't winning as many big games and not um, you know, going to Indy and things like that. So I think that that's part of it. I think that there's an emphasis from the Michigan coaches that – knowing that they can bring in some instant impact guys. So, I mean, my answer on that would be, I think it's a little bit of both. Look at, on your point about NFL development, look at the four out of the five guys Michigan's brought in, what positions they play. Three of them play offensive line. One of them plays the edge spot. Michigan has been dubbed edge U. Now I'm seeing their O-line U, which is what uh, Ladarius Henderson said and, and some others. And then you have a linebacker in, in Ernest Hausman. Michigan's done, you know, pretty good with linebackers there as well. You see a couple in the league there, Devin Bush being the most notable. And uh, and they just had good linebacker play. So 
Uh, that's one thing there. But I, I think it's probably it's a combo. I, I kind of hate the cop out answer of saying it's like a split, you know, combination. But I don't think they would have been this active in the portal if the recruiting class was a little better. And you talked about it earlier, Anthony, with well, eleven guys burned red shirts this year. It was six the season before, and those guys were really big impact guys, guys like Junior, Donovan, JJ, and things like that. Um, all right, well, is there six to 11 guys in this recruiting class that are going to come in and make those type of impacts? I don't think so. So I think, like you said, some of those, some of that production will be replaced by these guys coming in through the portal. So a little bit of both, but, you know, right now my feeling is, as was we're nearing signing day and as you're kind of thinking about all these things with the recruiting class and all the portal additions, that it's it's column B maybe with the weaker recruiting class more than maybe ever before in terms of them adding a transfer. Um, and that's fine. You know, I think it's uh, they've done a hell of a job doing that because there are a lot of people that were disappointed about this class. But over the weekend when we land, what, four guys, uh, one Saturday, three Sunday. Is that correct? Um, or or uh, one Saturday, three guys and two, two Sundays. Days. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Houseman was what, Thursday or something? So Isaiah Thursday. Yeah. So, well, I mean, because we we think there are probably another one to two who are on their way to probably being part of this program. I would think somewhat imminently. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with that. Um, where was I going to go with this? I don't know. It's been that kind of week, a little bit of brain fog thing going on. Uh, oh, the second question from Mike G who says, Broomer, uh, Josiah Stewart is built more like a linebacker. Will Jesse Mint- mentor use him as an edge or somewhere else? I think something that we've seen from both Mike McDonald and Jesse Minter defenses is that, they are going to adjust personnel-wise to whatever the strengths of their personnel does, or schematically, I should say. They're going to adjust schematically based on the strengths of what their roster is. So I think if Josiah Stewart is is a guy who's more of a stand-up edge, like a David Ojabo was, they could use him in that role. If he's someone who can play with his hand in the dirt and also um, rush from that stand-up position, he can probably do something like what Aiden Hutchinson did or like what Mike, like what Mike Morris has done this year or, or plenty of other guys. So whatever it is, I mean, I think that they will utilize and maximize his skill set the best he can. And again, he's going to join a loaded room next year. I mean, we think Yabioki is going to be back. Derek Moore will obviously be back as a sophomore. I think someone who talk about a candidate for a big sophomore leap, um, someone who is certainly uh, fits that mold. Um, another, I think this is the point I was going to make at the end of the super chat that I lost is that, you know, last year, this time of year, the momentum was in landing guys like Keon Saab and Zeke Barry and Darius Clemens and Derek Moore. And that's was kind of the big momentum closeout they had to adding to next year's roster in that regard. I think we're seeing a very different type of momentum, but also similar in terms of what we've seen in the portal of guys that you're closing late. I mean, it's not closing late because the portal just opened, but, in terms of getting guys in now ahead of winter conditioning and, and the end of this season, similar, but different in terms of, you know, sort of being hot and talent acquisition coming off of a big year. So you'd love to see them kind of master the hybrid approach of that. Uh, the last two years have been the extremes of that where last year was more recruiting this year was more transfer portal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Again, cannot speak more complimentary of how they've handled this so far. Yeah, just going back to Josiah Stewart, 
He's 6'2", 230, uh, so obviously undersized there as an edge, especially in the Big Ten, you know, compared to maybe the Sun Belt. But when you watch his highlights and you look at where he lined up throughout his career there in his two seasons with Coastal, he was a straight edge all the way. He does look like more of a middle linebacker in terms of body type than an edge, but when you watch him rush the passer and get around some of these tackles, you can tell there is a reason why he, I think he might have led the Sun Belt in sacks a couple years ago. He was named the preseason Sunbelt player of the year on defense heading into the 2022 season saw a little bit of a dip in production but uh you know didn't quite live up to that was still an all-conference performer so 6-2-2-30 can a guy like that play edge in the Big Ten or at Michigan and then you look at a guy who's tearing up the AFL right now his name's Josh Uche for the New England Patriots 10 and a half sacks in the last seven games uh just wrote about him today for our magazine 6'1", 245, and that's combine verified. Um, and maybe let's say Stewart's 6'1", because everyone lists an extra inch. Like Same type of body size there. And, you know, I know it was different defensive systems, you know, based on, you know, Uche playing under the Don Brown regime and, you know, now Jesse Minter being in charge here. But you're right. I think they're going to be able to find ways to use Josiah Stewart. And if that's just a traditional edge, then I think that's possible as well and even remember Iabi Oki isn't necessarily the the thickest guy either and they've kind of used him and it's not only where you line up but it's when you line up you know is it third down things like that when you can kind of pin your ears back and uh, not worry about maybe stopping the run as much so I think there's a role for Josiah Stewart we've seen Mike Elston really get the most out of these guys hey if you're not the best third down you know pass rusher all right well let's bring in a guy that is like a you know you know name your guy like Iabi Oki's one of them Jalen Harrell's a little better at stopping the run. Braden McGregor is kind of a hybrid, finding himself a little more as a pass rusher. So there's a role for all these guys. I think Mike Elston and Jesse Minter proved that this year. And I think we'll see Stewart play the edge. But, um, you know, he, he also has the body type to maybe step in at linebacker if you need it. But I don't think they need it at this point, especially adding Ernest Hausman. So looking pretty good there. I was just about to start closing it out, but. Gosh darn it! There's one more. There's another biz. There's more business to attend to from someone who, quite frankly, I'm a little offended wasn't here a little sooner. Uh, Shane Johnson is going to close us out with a ten dollars super chat, who says J H Jim Harbaugh is the sniper in the portal, making a not so great twenty three class considering our dominance into a top ten one if you factor portal in. Once Santa Ono figures out nil soon, we hope twenty four and twenty five should be top five classes. So. Uh, yeah, a lot to, a lot to absorb from that. I will say that it does seem like just based on some of our quote unquote Intel, there is, I feel like we've been saying it since July 1, 2021, but it feels like we're at a boiling point with the NIL stuff. It feels like we're on the verge of Michigan, you know, at least taking that next step, not to just hand out McDonald's bags of cash to recruits and, and things of that nature, but to finally have a united, a strong united front and push this thing to the next level. Uh, this feels like, you know, the transfer portal thing, like we, like they needed something to feel good about. And not only it's not just a feel good story. It's a, we're building a team story. And this feels like momentum and a nice little appetizer as, you know, administratively, they try to get all these ducks in a row and have the best of both worlds moving forward. Because to be frank, this is now 24 seven year round roster building construction, recruiting your own roster, taking care of your own roster. Um, 
fundraising a roster. That's where we're at now. So in, the only way to keep with the times is for all boats to be rolling in the same direction. And I think we're close to that. Yeah. And a couple of things, when you look at the next couple of classes, based on the success Michigan's having, they should absolutely have a couple elite classes in a row here, uh, assuming that everything stays on track where you don't lose assistance, things like that, to, you know, promotions. And they actually got through most of that cycle pretty unscathed here. Whole assistant coaching staff intact, despite an interview here or there with head coaching jobs. But NIL getting figured out, and our Chris Ballas has been all over this reporting about how NIL, there's some big developments, potentially announcements soon. So stick with us at the Wolverine.com for the latest on all of that stuff. But Michigan is those boats are rowing in the uh, in the same direction right now. It feels like that's starting to happen. So that's going to be big for recruiting, of course, but also something that I talked about throughout this process when people would say, what is it with this recruiting class? Why isn't it recre- uh, you know, rated better talking about the 2023 class? And I said this too, like they got off to a slow start. The class was ranked around 25th nationally the entire time. There wasn't that one leader. You didn't have a quarterback like JJ leading the class. Uh, you know, things like that. You didn't have a Will Johnson in there, a five-star that was recruiting other kids, hopping on Zooms, heading over to Ann Arbor to meet this or that kid when they're on their visit and tell them to come. So it was just a little bit of a different vibe. It's hard to have a good class when you don't have a good class. Like people want to be a part of a really good group coming in. We've seen that throughout the country uh, and, and with Michigan the last couple of years. So that's something. And then it's worth noting this as well. Michigan is off to a pretty good start. It's really early. But in the 2024 class, Michigan ranks 12th nationally with four pledges. Uh, so they're already off to a good start there. And then they actually got their first 2025 pledge in Chris Ewald Jr., a top 100 corner uh, over the weekend or just a couple of days ago, right? So uh, I think Friday. So they're off to some pretty good starts there. And I think once you get that, it's going to be easier to want other kids or for other kids to want to jump on board, plus the NIL thing. And I think the sky's the limit. You should have a top five class, one of the next two. And, um, you know, then you're fine. Then the 2023 class class was a blip on the radar. That's what it needed to be this whole time. And the fact that as our Chris Ballas is reporting, there is some big NIL developments coming up here that, um, you know, then it looks like it'll probably play out how everyone, everyone hoped. Yeah. And the thing that can't be ruled out too, and we can debate, I mean, this, we can, we're, we're getting kind of up against it here, but your class is also good you know, a lot better when you have an elite quarterback in it. I mean, we saw that 2021 class, how JJ was able to hold it together. I think guys in 22 were, uh, again, no disrespect to Alex Orgy and Jaden Denegal. I think those guys were still kind of more, um, it's almost like an extension of 2021 in that you know you're going to have this overlap with McCarthy there. You know, these, Michigan doesn't have, you know, Michigan missed on a Dante Moore who uh, flipped from Oregon to UCLA today because UCLA needs a starting quarterback next year. Uh, it kind of seems like Dante was always going to go somewhere where the, he could play right away. So it's one of those things where, again, maybe Jaden Davis pops in a couple weeks or, or imminently, and all of a sudden 24, which is already which already ranks 12th, you know, you have that face of your class, and then you can kind of move forward from there. So That's a great point, yeah. I, I think, yeah, those – I mean, that's why we always see those quarterbacks commit in the spring um, – is that they want to be, you know, they have those next, you know, set six, seven, eight months to keep a class together and recruit other guys. So, and they also want their spot. Yeah. Yeah. They want, they want their spot too. So um, for us, I think that uh, that's probably a good place to end it tonight. 
Uh, it's going to be a busy week here. I mean, uh, John John Borton will do his show tomorrow. The, the recruiting guys will have their regular Tuesday night show. Two live shows on Wednesday for National Signing Day. There will be one at noon uh, with EJ and Zach, I believe, both on it. Or maybe it's just EJ. I think we're still working on that. Um, regardless, there's one at noon and one at 7 o'clock. So we'll have kind of the midday lunch break edition. We'll have the late night later kind of recap. And then Thursday, uh, the two of us and uh, Mr. Baust will be back to do a pre-Christmas edition of the podcast. And then from there, it's game week. I mean, once you hit uh, Christmas Day, time to start thinking Fiesta Bowl. Well, think about your families and stuff first. But maybe, maybe, maybe on the couch as you're like, ready for your food coma Christmas day or whatever it is. Once you settle in for the evening, maybe then it's time to think Fiesta Bowl. Maybe take the 24th and 25th and let's earmark that for the people in our lives we love and that deserve our time. But also Fiesta Bowl, Fiesta Bowl week. It's here already uh, once you hit Monday. So uh, Clayton, appreciate your time. Appreciate all of the super chats. Uh, Appreciate everyone watching on the audio side of things. Be sure to like, subscribe. Uh, to our channel below. That's going to do it for us. Appreciate your time, and we will talk to you soon. Happy Hanukkah and Merry Christmas.